Say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one it is a Wednesday, September the 15th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And who had a worse start, us or the Geelong Football Club? <laughs> just then. <laughs> or the Port Adelaide Football Club, to be honest. Know, it was we a weren't weekend. That, we weren't of- that bad. It was a weekend of bad starts. <laughs> uh, that was that the most enjoyable final that you can ever remember watching. I think it was the most enjoyable game that I can ever remember watching. I mean, yeah, it was pretty the, amazing. Just, I mean, that. So obviously, I started getting messages from about. I reckon the end of the first quarter, people already were messaging me. In fact, I'm going to name him, Reese Muldoon, Saints fan, Reese Muldoon, yep. uh, messaged me uh, just after quarter time and said, you're going to play in the grand final. And I was like, fuck you, I am not responding to your message. And then just over the next half an hour, you know, by halfway through the third quarter, I reckon I had... I mean, maybe a dozen, twenty, maybe twenty at maximum messages from people. I think and I held off to the halfway point of the second quarter because I was like, you know, fast starts. There, there are lots of fast starts. You had a fast start against them last time, but then halfway through the second quarter, I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're, they're fine. <laughs> not they're not clawing this back. No, well, I started. There was some people, some bulldogs people in particular, friends of ours, Nick Trulison, of course, who we both know, who we've spent. Uh, grand finals with and finals with and you know just a really great bloke and we were messaging back and forth but i only responded to him eight minutes before the end of the game <laughs> that was when i finally were like i reckon we're gonna win this i reckon we're gonna play in the grand final eight minutes before the end of the game but in the factor of because i went into that game with so not low expectations i had secret hopes like, there, I, I could mount a good case that we would do well. We had played well against Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide didn't have a great record against, you know, top sides. I felt like there was a lot of pressure on Port. I thought that this Bulldog story, the fact that we were, you know, it was kind of a similar path to what we'd had in 2016. That Brisbane win was a really good win. But obviously with the injuries and, you know, going into that game, not being able to train and all the things that were up against us, there was just such a... I mean, I told you when we were recording uh, TOEFOP the other day that, you know, the most disappointing thing about when it gets to the grand final is you want to listen to every football show. You want to hear people talking about football for two hours and then none of the Sunday footy shows are fucking on. They all take the day off, like no radio shows, no podcasts. So I went back over, you know, shows from earlier that week, from the Saturday, from the Friday, from the Thursday, and we're listening to them. And the amount of pleasure it gave me every time every single commentator was like the bulldogs are going to lose port adelaide are definitely going to win this game and just knowing what the result is and then being able to just go back it was like so joyful it was incredible it is is amazing isn't it after a big win like that when you're Mm. just on the cloud nine after your team's win 
it's almost like being a drug addict and starting on the class A's where you're like, all right, I'm going to go to the AFL website and we're going to see what all the big name journals are. And then you start going to the social medias and you start searching hashtags and then you just, I'm just going to go to Big Footy, see what they have to say. And then you're like, oh my God, I, I'm in the dregs of society, but I just, I just need more people talking about the game. Just more, more, more. Well, if you want to know where I'm at, and this is only Wednesday, what, you know, four days after the game, I've still got another week and a half to go. Today, I have listened to Martin Flanagan read excerpts of his book about the 2016 Grand Final win <laughs> out loud. That's, that's the equivalent of smoking dried out banana skin in the car park. <laughs> and there was a clip, I don't know if you saw it, that went viral after the Bulldogs game. So, this is something the Bulldogs were doing in 2016, which was they had this sort of dance party after the games they would all go in a room together they'd turn off the lights they'd have a song and they'd all sort of sing it and dance together i heard nothing about it this season but there was a bit of leaked footage after the game of them all dancing to this song by an artist called gala it's kind of like a like a dance track a the rave track song. yeah and so anyway i downloaded that and i've been listening to that song <laughs> oh my god you're such a nerd I was reading, I was doing that thing on your iPhone, you know, where it like plays the song and all the lyrics of the song come up at the same time. And I'm literally reading it like it's like the, you know, it's like the lost Indiana Jones yeah, scriptures or something. I'm yeah. like, what is the secret meaning? Why are they also into this song? What is it? I mean, I can't remember a more one-sided weekend of football that was also so enjoyable to watch. I mean, I think it's that Harlem Globetrotters factor, isn't it? There's just something about seeing two teams like the Demons and the Bulldogs who were just completely on fire. And like everyone, I saw the Demons on Friday night and I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Like whoever has made fun of them, whatever stupid podcast has been bagging the Demons for the last five years is going to have a lot of egg on their face because they just looked shit hot, like just all around the ground. I mean, Max Gorn's game was unbelievable. Christian, I mean, that's the, that third quarter. Like the Max Gorn third quarter, you're talking about Harlem Globetrotters. That was just silly. It yeah. was so much fun to watch because exactly what you're saying, you just saw this team at the height of their powers yeah. playing just flawless, irresistible. beautiful, irresistible football. Like it was yeah. just so fun to watch. Like the only people it wouldn't have been fun for were the Geelong players. And I reckon even some of them occasionally must have been like, fuck me, that was pretty good, Max. <laughs> Well, I know that story came out, and I'm, this is not like, oh, you know, the, the the cats used the virus as an excuse. That story came out for whatever reason, and it seems like it was probably legitimate. I'm not saying that Chris Scott used it as an excuse. But now when I think about that game, I'm like, well, it did look like one team had a massive virus ripped through them, and they just had absolutely no energy, because that second half was such a tidal wave it was it was like junior footy it was like when you used to have those like games where a team would win by 114 points in junior footy like melbourne had a growth spurt and they were playing against guys who hadn't hit puberty yet i mean the only person who would have enjoyed that third quarter more than melbourne supporters was nick Rewald. yeah i mean a man who'd been sitting around going the difference in this game is going to be reese stanley this is your opportunity reese stanley Get your mum's spaghetti off your jumper and get out there. This is your one shot. And then Max Gorn kicks five goals in the third quarter. I mean, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would think that maybe Nick Revolt. Does Nick Revolt have any connections to any catering companies? Catering companies that deliver food to hotels? I mean, is he... Because he spent a lot of... An ordinate amount of time last week building up Reece Stanley and Reece Stanley's yeah. potential to, to kind of... Just to pull the like, rug from under him. Just to <laughs> just poison to the- his entire team on the day. Just- 
just to embarrass him. I mean, it did feel it did feel a little bit like. I mean, I I, I loathe to say you know when my team's not even playing finals to bag at any team that's playing finals, but you did look at Geelong and just go, oh, this seems old fashioned already. Like if you look at how you know the type of players that the demons had, the style of playing, the style of play they were that finals football where it was just like just intense manic pressure on the ball and moving it at all costs and stuff, and then you'd see you know, then try and slow it down and hold possession and use like their foot skills. And it's like, come on, grandpa, kick the goddamn football. This is not, this is not how we play football. It's not 1920. Come on, move it. It really, Melbourne, what Richmond were in that second half of the grand final last year, Melbourne were for four quarters. Like it wasn't that slog for the first half where Geelong had, they just essentially came out and were just like, and as you said, I mean, the Rolls Royces all just played, these amazing games. I mean, Christian Petrarca was magnificent. Gorm was magnificent, but right Salem. across the field, they were all just yeah. so good. What do you reckon about May's hammy? Because it looks so bad when he initially mm. did it. And then, I mean, I know he said he's going to play in two weeks and all kind of that, but I reckon, I reckon he's done something pretty serious. Like he was, he looked like, he looked, well, having said that, he he looked like Marcus Bontebelli looked like the week before, and we know how Bont played, so maybe it's not that serious. But I thought it was interesting. He was so effusive after the game, and yeah, no, I'm definitely playing. And I'm like, oh, I wonder, I wonder about that. No, I I think it's the opposite. I don't I don't think I think they put him back on the ground to see. They didn't know because they didn't need to put him back on the ground. The game was won no. by then. If they were really serious about the fact that he was properly injured, and they put him back on the ground to see. Whether he could move or not, I think he's going to be fine. Two weeks, he'll he'll absolutely play in the grand final. Well, so you had that on Friday night, and everyone the next day was like, "Well, who's going to stop the demons?" And like you, like you know, and and those- also, I was one of those people who was like, "Fuck, I hope Port Adelaide are thinking the same thing as me," which is, <laughs> I would fucking hate to play that team next week because <laughs> if that's really getting in their heads right now, that might be good for us today. You know, Bevo's bottom boys started off as a joke has become, you know, something of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So like you, I had a sense that, well, you know, the Bulldogs match up against Port okay and they have ridden this wave of us against them so beautifully, the narrative they're creating and all the stuff that was happening during the week about not being able to train, beautiful. You know, just, just like just feeding into that narrative. But then when it started, like I'm up on the Gold Coast, Gemma – tolerates football she tolerates football she understands my love for the saints but once the saints are out of the picture then there's a real question mark about why you're still watching it thank god i have <laughs> thank god i have a podcast because i can say it's work you know it's work it's it's kind of a job sort of you know i have to mm. watch football some might but, suggest it's the only reason we have this podcast <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> true so, so when the game started and i was like it was so exciting and the way the Bulldogs were attacking it. And Jem was trying to put Iona to bed and I had to, I couldn't talk to you because I knew you'd be too nervous. And, but there was no one else I could talk to. So I kept periodically like going to the, to Iona's bedroom door and saying to Jem, you won't believe this. And then quickly having to explain the whole backstory of like the Bulldogs were on top, you know, top of the line of the most of the season. But then the last three weeks, they, you know, they fell off the perch and, and no one's, and no one's tipped them at all. But, but now they're in this game, and you should see the kick seven unanswered goals. It's unbelievable. And her just being like, Okay, which ones are the Bulldogs again? I'm like, that, that's Will's team. She's like, okay, well, I guess we're happy for Will then. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> I need to find someone. So I jumped online and thank God 
Scott Dooley was live tweeting. So Dools and I had a, a Twitter conversation, and I think he summed it up best where he said it was a bad weekend for football, but a great weekend for Twitter. Because it was. There was a lot of excellent <laughs> commentary and memes and jokes about like the losing teams. It was it was it was good stuff. But man, I've got to say, all joking aside and all Bevo's bottom boys aside, that I just that's the best. I think I've ever seen the Bulldogs play. That is the most accomplished, aggressive, intimidating I've ever seen the Bulldogs look to the point where I was like, I don't know that it is the, like I, you know, at the very least it's a 50, 50, but I don't, I don't put Melbourne that far ahead if Melbourne are the favourites next week because... I think that Melbourne will go in favourites, but yes. this is winnable. Like, oh, you, on, totally. fr- on Friday night, you watched that game and you went, who the fuck could beat this team? And on Saturday night, you watch that game and you think, well, if this team could play as well as they played tonight, they could beat, they could compete very well with that other team. Like, well, if both, the-, the thing that I thought was, if both of those teams play at their best... Yeah. Fuck, it's going to be a good game. Yeah. I think the dogs, in terms of the weapons, that you know, they obviously have that back, their taller back line and um, you know, Max Gorn in the ruck, obviously. So they've got some clear advantages. But I think the two, the two advantages the Bulldogs have are, one, you've been there before. There you don't have that weight of history. You don't have all that expectation. There is this kind of sense of at least half the starting, like nine players have been there before and they – they had that experience, but also, I'm buying into the 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 gospel of Bevo. I'm buying into the fuck them, you know. It's us against them. I'm not even a bulldog supporter. I'm like, ah, I hear you, Bevo. <laughs> it's us <laughs> against the world, man. Like he's making me wanna, he's making me wanna listen to Rage Against the Machine and fucking, you know, well, put on my anarchist Bev- t-shirt and learn how to skateboard. <laughs> Bevo was very on brand for two guys one cup because he called out the twerp in his press conference. Yeah. <laughs> It was interesting too, wasn't it? A bunch of sensitive uh, journalists and media commentators we've got because I, I actually think Bevo misspoke when he said, I don't know how people lie next to bed with that person. I think what he meant is, I don't know how you sleep at night, the common refrain for someone. And then like, there's a lot of people- But like, it, ca- like, it came across like, I don't know like, how you f- people fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know how your loved ones can even bear to touch your genitals. Well, I did think it was good. The um, whatever the AFL show on a Saturday night is, the one that Kane Corns does with uh, is it Riley Beveridge? There's a Saturday night show where they yeah. round up all the games, and Riley Beveridge said, "Kane, uh, you wrote the Bulldogs off three weeks ago. You said that uh, they've blown it. They've blown the chance." And it was actually good to see the twerp with his feet held to the fire, and he conceded that yeah, he got it wrong, and that they're playing really well now. But then. Beautiful pivot. He then pivoted to, well, what's wrong with Bevo, though? And the Bulldogs allowed, um, Adam Trelaw is allowed to be criticized. Yeah, Adam Trelaw is allowed to be criticized for playing a bad game. He played a bad game. I don't think that there's any doubt that you can say that he played a bad game. But there was criticism that crossed the line. And I think Bevo, and this is the great thing about Bevo, he's players first. He doesn't give a fuck about what the media thinks or the broader football public thinks. That press conference is entirely for his players. It's entirely yeah. for Adam Trelaw. It's entirely for the other players on the Bulldogs to go, if somebody comes for you, I'm going to go back for them even fucking harder because I am in your corner. And that's why the bottom boys do it for Bevo. <laughs> the bottom boys, when you think about it, this season in which the Bulldogs have played more players than anyone else, when you saw those scenes in the rooms and you had all the the second, you know, the guys in the twos and their tracksuits and they're all joining in the song as well and they're lining up for the, you know, the big photo that went on Instagram and stuff. 
I'm like, this is genius. Like he is a he's a genius. He's got buy-in not just from the starting 22, but from everyone in that team. And so that energy feeds to the actual the, the guys the, the first string guys because you know the, the the guys in the twos are going to be desperate to be part of that action as well and so they're going to drive standards which is going to drive standards and i just think yeah well, i'm in I'm i mean in. you look at that game and i mean because caro all year has been fucking running hard against bevo's selection policies and the fact that he's been playing all these players and yet saturday night is the total vindication for that policy. The fact that Alex Keith couldn't play and they were able to like bring Ace Cordy out of retirement <laughs> to, play, <laughs> to play in the back. He was ready to go. No, that Zane Cordy came in and played so well because he had been there. He knew how to play. He knew the system. The fact that our best players on the night, I mean, yes, there were the stars of the team, absolutely. But mm. I like Mitch Hannon played the best game that Mitch Hannon's ever played for the Bulldogs. Like, like Josh Shackey, like Josh Shackey on Alia Alia, the job that he did, like, is a job that I did not think that Josh Shackey was capable of playing. And yet, like, Bevo doesn't send people back to the twos to just, like, punish them or anything. He sends them back to the BFL and says, We're going to work on your game so that when you come back, you can play football better. And, like, Josh Shackey is just such a classic example of that. Mm. Yeah. It was a. You felt that that buy-in was across the board, just in the way they attacked the contest. And then there's like, I mean, Bailey Smith, who I think at the start of the year, you and I got very excited about, and then, I don't know, fell out of love with him, got distracted by some other players. And what a final series he's put in together. Like, early pick for the Norm Smith for me. I mean, I don't know, win or lose the Bulldogs. I reckon that the way he's playing, he's, he's 20 years old, and he's as good as any of those like uh, Oliver Petrarca, uh, you know, any of those midfielders for, for the Demons. And he's, and he's what, three, two, three years younger than them. They were going through his draft the other day and it's such a strong fucking top 10 in the draft. Like it's the King brothers and it's like Sam Walsh and it's Bailey and it's like Taron Thomas. And it's like, it's just all these, it's like, just, you're like, wow, that was a good year to have top picks in the draft because yeah. all these players are guns. So, yeah, but Bailey Smith in particular, I mean, I think he's already got the third most followers in the AFL on, like, social on media. Yeah. And, <laughs> which, you know, is mostly because his Insta is mostly him without his shirt on. But also on uh, on Sunday, um, because obviously Saturday night, you know, you know, as you know, Amy has even less interest in football than Gemma does. But... You know, she understands that the Bulldogs, you know, she was with me for a very long time where I was convinced the Bulldogs were never even going to play in a grand final. And now, like, five years ago, we won a grand final and now, you know, we're, now we're playing in another grand final. And so she, you know, is excited for me. And so she obviously just, like, pays a little bit more attention to the news or whatever yeah. on Sunday <laughs> because she knows. And her only comment to me on Sunday was like, your Bulldogs sure like mullets, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they and I was like, do. yeah, we do like mullets. <laughs> I got a mate who uh, moved down from Queensland. He and his, um, uh, his boyfriend moved down from Queensland about seven or eight years ago, and they moved to the western suburbs. And so he wanted to kind of like, you know, get into the whole Victorian culture. So he adopted a team. He's living in the western suburbs. He'll barrack for the Bulldogs. So he has become... Like, you would swear he's been following AFL his whole life. He is now the most dedicated Bulldogs fan. So we were messaging on the weekend, and he was, like, you know, so excited about another grand final and stuff. And then I said to him, now, 
I said, have you seen Bailey Smith's Instagram account? I said, because I know you're gay, but if you weren't, <laughs> this account will turn you yeah. gay. If there's anything was, that's beyond gay, like yeah. if, you, if, if there's any day where you're just going, gay? Oh, no, I'm not feeling <laughs> as gay as I used to feel. I'd like to feel more gay. Then just Bazlenka, at Bazlenka on Instagram. I've taken your advice and I've had to unfollow because I'm like, there is too many, like he posts too many shirtless photos and it's just, because then the algorithm starts feeding you other photos of like young shirtless boys. It's like, nah, I'm just going gonna, just gonna to unfollow this one. Yeah, we see you pause for three seconds on a photo of a shirtless, hot 20-year-old man. We thought you might enjoy these other shirtless, hot 20-year-old men. Um, it's interesting because uh, Bailey Smith, the knock on him when he first came in was that he might be too dedicated as a kid. So that perhaps that he wouldn't blossom in the system the way that other people would because as a kid, as a like he was so professional, he weighed his food, he didn't drink, right. he was like... You know, his whole attitude was like, I, I want to be a professional footballer. And some of the recruiters thought that maybe he was already making the most of what he had and he wouldn't have that improvement in the system. But fuck, man. Like, he's he's an A-grade AFL player. Him and Matt Rowell should hang out. Because isn't that the kind of dude that Matt Rowell is? Measuring his food, dedicated trainer. But Matt Rowell is like the biggest nerd. All right, road movie. Bailey Smith and Matt Rowell hit the road together. One's like a, a good-looking hot shot, you know, with a mullet, and the other one's just like a nerdy dude who writes in his notebook and tends to his plants. Two men, uh, a van, <laughs> some pot plants, 52 <laughs> footies, just <laughs> in the back. They've got, yeah, they've got to get Matt's 52 footies across the Nullarbor. Yeah. Uh, got to get him to his grandfather's funeral. <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna kick fi- he's gonna kick fifty two footy through the goals as a salute to his grandfather. Fifty two footy salute. That's all he gr- his granddad wanted. Now, well, um, I thought we could do as we're getting towards the season's end, and we yes. are two weeks away. Well, a week and a half away from the big dance. We could take an opportunity to uh, evaluate some of the teams that did not make oh, yeah. it to this stage of the season. I thought we could just start from the bottom ladder up. And so I've come up with a bit of a, a grading system rather than Great. like A, B, C, D. I want you to put on your Aussie sports journalist hat. I'm going to give you mm. two options. So when you talk about a team, there's only you can only give me two options. One is a thoughtful balanced response about the team's position and where they're at. Oh, yep. And the other one is the firebrand, you know, firebrand like headline grabbing answer. So it's going to, we're going to call... One's going to be called Jared Wait and See. So as in Wait and See. And the other one is Give Him a Good Caning, as in Cane <laughs> So right. I'll right. read the team out. We can have a bit of talk about it. And then you give your Jared uh, Wait and See, or you can just go, uh, unleash and give him a good caning. All right? Yeah. Okay. Great. So we start with, with um, so I'm bring it up. I'm going to start with North Melbourne, <coughs> who finished with four wins. For the year, is that right? Four wins. Yeah, they finished with four wins, but on the ladder, percentage of 73. Uh, how did you find their season? Uh, surprisingly good. I thought okay. they would win maybe one or zero games. So therefore, I think four is a really good result. So um, they were competitive. Good, good, good youngsters. I know it's good, good youngsters. Good youngsters, played well together, were competitive in most games, like didn't have those really embarrassing blowouts that you kind of expected that they might have. Um, yeah, a lot of upside, a lot of potential. Felt like a they good did, year for North Melbourne. They did finish the season. on the bottom. 
They did finish the season with four losses in a row, but you can kind of expect that with a young team. Um, okay, so it feels like you're going for a Jared Wait and See. Is that right? Yeah, this is this is 100% Jared, Gerald Wait and See. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just going to say, um, uh, yeah, uh, Gerald would say, to quote the popular musical artist Drake, we started at the bottom, now we're here. Still here at being, the bottom? No. <laughs> well, I mean, still technically at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really that inspiring, Drake. We started at the bottom, now we're here, still technically at the bottom. <laughs> but <laughs> it feels like there has been a lot of growth in the season, a uh, lot of optimism uh, for North Melbourne coming into next season. Probably not going to play in the finals, but you would think that they might, you know, look at, you know, doubling the amount of wins, you know, six, seven, eight wins. Okay. All right. Well, that would put them in the sort of, you know, top half of the bottom eight. Okay. The next team, their trouble started even before the season began. Of course, talking about the Collingwood Football Club, they finished on six wins and a percentage of 85.6, which is actually not that bad, really. Uh, Much like... The, the Kangaroos, they lost four of their last five games. Uh, they headed into the offseason without a coach. They've got Craig McRae now. They're reshuffling their assistants. The board's still a bit of an issue. What's your take, Will? Um, I don't know. I, if, like, if you asked me at the start of the season if Collingwood were going to finish second to last, I'd say it was the disaster. But... I don't know. It doesn't quite feel like a disaster now at the end of the season. Like now they've got a new coach, you know, a bit of optimism, you know, going into next season. I don't know. Is How it, do you feel? Is it, an, is it an optimism or is it more of a, just a relief that the season's over and that shit is dealt with? I mean, they sacked us. A coach left mid-season. They had the racism report at the start of the year. Eddie Maguire's gone. All this kind of like shenanigans, this sort of like power play is happening at board level. I don't know that it was a positive season. I mean, I think if you get that, you can you can't Jared wait and see this. Like, I think now the dust is soured. You got to give him a good caning, right? Well, no. If it was mid-season, I'd cane on absolutely one hundred percent. There was caning to be done, but I think that they've landed in a place of Gerald wait and see. I feel right, like so- the worst might be behind them. You know, the racism report, the presidency, all those things are going to be resolved to a certain extent they're going to have a bit of a clean slate it's probably going to be a rebuild for a year or two look you got to give Collingwood the fact that at the very least you know some of their salary cap is going to pay a player who's going to play in an AFL grand final so (laughs) So, I mean so so they have a grand final player on their list potentially a premiership player At the very least, he should have to wear their sponsorship on his back of his jumper or something like that on Grand Final Day. Okay, so that's two Gerald Waits and C's for you. Okay, the next team, I was surprised that they finished this low, uh, is the Gold Coast Suns, who finished with seven wins, one more than the Pies, a pretty awful percentage of 76.8. And again, like the other two teams, lost four in their last five games after sort of like the middle to the kind of – three-quarter part of the season looked like they might get a bit of a run on and then that, all that momentum went away. So what are the positives? So Tuke Miller, undeniably a positive. All-Australian took his game to a completely new level. No one saw that coming. Um, positives, positives. <laughs> what else? Uh, ben King. Ben King. Well, didn't even rank in the top 10. Can't be that positive. 47 goals or something for the season. I think that's a good result. You're going to say that's a positive. 
I mean, to win seven games without a ruckman as well, I guess, is kind of, you know, their captain and, and you know, their primary ruckman as well. Isaac Rankin, huge disappointment. Uh, Matt Rowell, understandably a huge disappointment. What do you reckon? Is this a Gerald Wait and See or are we gonna we're gonna cane this team? I'm I'm sorry to Gerald, he'll have to step aside for a second because uh we're gonna have to go to the Kano. Oh, give uh, the caning. Yeah. All right, give, all right, so sensational headline, Will. Yeah. What's the headline? In the Seattleite Advertiser, what's the head of your column? What's it read? Um uh, Buns out, sun's out. <laughs> so well, explain that. <laughs> I don't, it'll become clear in the article. <laughs> um, okay. What no, about what house, house of the what about house of the sinking suns? Oh yeah, that's good. The sun goes yeah. down on yeah. me. <laughs> what? <laughs> what I mean by that is <laughs> blow me, Tony Cochran. <laughs> Blow me faster, Tony Cochran. I came corn sing to the theme of Hold Me Closer, Tiny Dancer by Alan John. <laughs> Blow me faster, Tony Cochran. <laughs> you know what it is? Like, you know, the Gold Coast Suns, you got Matt Rowell. He's like me after five minutes of mashing all the buttons on Grand Theft Auto. No weapons. Absolutely no fucking weapons. A lot of footies. No weapons. Jack yep. Lacocious. Most boring pocket profile player in the entire league. How can you... I mean, Isaac Rankin, absolutely. Rankin, yeah, absolutely Rankin. Rank, he's Rankin. Spells absolutely rank. Uh, Puts the rank in Rankin. Um, Ben King, more like Ben Pauper. Ben Ben King only got a year left on his contract and a lot of teams will be circling. I mean, what do you reckon he could fetch? In the in the open market next year, if he if he has another similar season, forty plus goals, what do you reckon he's getting? Eight hundred thousand a season? Yes, and there'd be teams that sign up for five years, wouldn't there? Yes, and there They're was pr- there is probably a couple of teams that would sign him up for more than a hundred, more than eight hundred thousand for five years. I think to get him, like you know, if yeah, wow, I don't know how, how the Saints going to get him. I can't remember what we paid Max King. We signed Max King up for like five years, but I think it wasn't for that much. I think it was five. I think it was. I think we signed up for about six hundred thousand. Like, how does it work with twins? Do we have to pay Ben yep. exactly, exactly the same? Exactly the same. <laughs> identical twins. Identical. identical contracts. That is our one clause. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next team, the Adelaide Crows, who started the season really well. Uh, Tex Walker started the season really well, and much like. Tex Walker, the Crows finished the season really, really badly. Uh, they lost three out of their last five games. Um, total t- total wins of seven and uh, pretty average. No, percentages okay, eighty-two percent, not bad for seven wins. Um, what's your take on the Crows this year? Pretty rubbish. Yeah, but compared to last year, like within context, like they were the worst team going around last year, and they've jumped up five spot, uh, four spots. Yeah. I mean, they finished badly. And obviously, all the off-field stuff was horrible. Although, I think that they tried to handle that. No. You know, I think... I think they they fucking handled it so badly. So badly. I think Tex didn't handle it. Well, Taylor didn't handle it well. Um, Yeah, but he's been been handled by their media department. I mean, doing that apology and then asking the Indigenous players at Adelaide, do you want him to come to the best and fairest? Like, making it their problem. It's... I can understand... 
the intent, the idea of like empowering, but it's just making it their problem. And I just feel like yeah, I just I know what you it. mean. If you if you put it on them, if they then say they, no, then they're the bad guys. Yeah, how do, how do they, they win are, that situation? Are, are they forced to say yes just because? they're put in that situation. Like, it's like proposing to someone at a sporting event. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, positives, though. Positives. Um, Rory Laird had a good season. Um, yeah, when you're positive is Rory Laird had a good season, though. That's not much of a positive. And I mean that Mac with all due respect. Matt Crouch re-signed. Oh, no, there's um, also... I uh, know. Oh, when your good news is that Matt Crouch re-signed, <laughs> all I'm saying is it's not that good a news. I Look, I think considering where they were last year and, and, and where they've been in really the last, since the 2016, 27, 2017 grand final, I'm going to give it a big tick, but I get the sense that you're going to unleash a big bloody, big can of cane on them. Uh, I mean, yes. I think, you know, I'm going to give him a caning. I'm going to give him a caning and I'm going to say um, off field, still an embarrassment. Absolutely time to go back to the camp. Um, it's the only way that things are actually going to ever get resolved is at that camp. Um, take a, to take island, a long walker the... off a short footbridge. <laughs> is that the headline? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no not good but i mean not terrible but not good um okay uh next team is the hawks they finished the season on seven wins uh percentage of 85.2 and uh, three wins and one draw from their last five games so not bad not bad of course the big news is uh clarko retiring they've had uh, some retirements uh sean burgoyne retired who else? Someone else went as well. Oh, yeah, John O'Patton, uh, sort of, as the season went underway. Tom Scully earlier in the season as well. So it's been a, a year of upheaval. How have you read it, Will? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, it's hard to know, isn't it? Like, I mean, the Clarko thing, I love, I mean, we'll get to Carlton, but I love this coaching <laughs> process at Carlton. It is one of the most compelling off-season storylines that I have ever heard of. And my favourite bit of it is, no, nah, I reckon we're still a chance to get Clarko, despite the fact that Clarko has said 100 times, there is no way I'm coaching your club. There still seems to be this constant thing of, yeah, but you should come and coach our club. I know we're going to get to Carlton, but don't you think it's like the death of a salesman? They're like Willie yep. Loman. They're just like <laughs> holding on to this dream of what they used to be, you know? We used to, we once won 15 premierships and it's like, Willie, just give it up, mate. <laughs> it's over. You're pathetic. <laughs> You're pathetic. Anyway, we'll get to um, Carlton. Hawthorne. We're talking about the Hawks. Hawthorne, no. Um, I think that they've got to get rid of the president. I think Kenneth's got to go. I mm -hmm. think that it's very interesting to see like what Sam Mitchell's going to do, which players are going to want to play with him and for him and which are going to move on to other clubs and retire and be pushed out of the place. Like I think, no, this is definitely a Kane Corns, um, oh. a, a Mitch in time sacks nine. That's my <laughs> prediction. <laughs> Fantastic. I would have thought, I would have gone more the, uh, 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 the Gerald wait and see. In the sense that, yeah, you know what? They had some good, they blooded some good kids this year. I mean, the big the question mark is Clarko. 
Like if 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 Clarko hadn't been exited the way he was, and I think you'd be a lot more bullish about them. But I feel like I want to see what Sam Mitchell's got. So if we're writing competing competing headlines, yeah. your, your what was your one again? Uh, a, 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 Mitch a, a Mitch in time, sax nine. Sax nine. Uh, I'm gonna say. No, I'm not going to say anything because I can't think of anything. Let's move on to Carlton. We were talking about them before. <laughs> <laughs> the Willie Lowman. Uh, they finished on eight wins, a percentage of 88.5, which is pretty good. Uh, but uh, five finished the season, four losses, four, one win and four losses. That one win, of course, coming against the fucking Saints. How do you see this mess? <laughs> I mean, it's a shit show, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, the only thing that can possibly save them is that they pull a suit. I mean, I understand the compulsion around the idea that they can, like, pull a super coach because it's the only way that you win at the end of this, right? Like, you, you're so far... Like, Carlton are the gambler that has lost all their money during the night and the only way out of the hole that they're in is one big win. So they're just willing to pawn their watch and do whatever they need to do to get, like, a few more chips that they can chuck on the table. I also don't reckon I can, in recent memory, maybe maybe since Terry Wallace was leaking to the media when he left the Bulldogs because he thought he had the Swans job. But the leaks coming out of Carlton are thick and fast. The whole point of appointing this new panel, board changes with they to plug the leaks, there's stories every day. I mean... I don't know about you, but my WhatsApp is blowing up constantly <laughs> with I mean, people I love, in the know at Carlton. I love the fact like, that, what's his name? Kane Liddell, right? Hmm. Like, he was on the selection panel and then got the ass, <laughs> like, from the club. <laughs> He's on your selection panel for the new coach. And now you're sacking him from the club. What is going on? I also just don't know about bringing in Diesel as the, again, it's this, these older clubs these big four clubs especially, they have this kind of arrogance about them, which is like, well, we'll just bring back, you know, this legend from the past and he'll sort everything out. It's like, I think he's a bit of a prick, that guy. <laughs> I don't know. Also, I know he's a legend of the club, but he was also a bit of a prick, right? Well, yeah. Like, he pushed umpires and punched people <laughs> all the time, but not even that. Have you read a newspaper in the last sort of five or so years? This is literally a guy who was on the record saying that he's suffering from the lingering effects of all the head knocks he took when he was playing <laughs> AFL football. And you're like, he'll sort it out. <laughs> oh, 20 head knock over there. He'll get this sorted out for us. All right. So I feel like I know which way you're leaning on this. So is Gerald, yeah. Gerald wait and see or give him the caning? No, nah, this is a cano. Absolutely. So it'd be something blues related, surely, wouldn't it? Be oh, singing the blues. Yeah. Or blues. Blue Monday. Blues, no clues. <laughs> That's good. Um, or okay. what a bunch of bluesers. <laughs> The Carlton Bluesers. We are the Navy Bluesers. Uh, the next team, Will, is the Richmond Tigers. Yeah. Who finished the season on nine wins. Big percentage of 97.9, so they're still quite potent in attack. Uh, three losses, one win, one draw from their last five games. <sighs> Mate, heavy is the head that wears the crown. I picked them to finish on top of the ladder this year. And I think that 
I don't think I was quite prepared for the how quickly the animosity towards Richmond had formed. Hawthorne made a bit more sense to me because Hawthorne have been good for decades. You know, they have a bit. They'll have five years off and then they're good again. But Richmond. They were the Charlie Brown and the AFL, at least when we started our show. And then they had a good run and everyone fucking hated them. So I was quite surprised by how how much glee people took in, in cheering them uh, to collapse. I think maybe Dimmer had a bit of a hand in that. I don't think I don't think he has a great public profile at the moment, does he? I also think I don't think it's just Dimmer. I think it is just super success. I dream of a time that people still don't have affection for the Bulldogs. Because, you know, the amount of success that means you've had. Like, yeah, everybody loved the Richmond story. Everybody loves the Melbourne story. Like, everyone, even as a Bulldogs fan, I, I get the sense of what the Swans had when they played us in 2016 was, of course that you want to win. But, like, there were so many Swans fans after that game who were so kind and generous to us going, we know what this is like. We had this as well. We, we waited all this time and it happened and we're sad, but congratulations, you know. And I would feel the same way about Melbourne. But if Melbourne win three of the next four, fuck Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you rate the season? I mean, they had, look, well, they lost you know, the, their best player for a good portion of the year and they had a bunch of other injuries as well. But do you think it is, is it kind of like Geelong where it's like, well, their list is aging. I mean, they did retire a bunch of guys this year. Hooley was the strange one because he wanted to play on. Like a week before he retired or was delisted or whatever, he came out and said he wanted to play on and he seemed to be in, in pretty good form. But, you know, maybe Dimmer's like already looking ahead. It's like, okay, it's time for a, a rebuild on the run kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to rebuild on the run. Well, they've got I don't five, think five. I think they've got four picks in the top 30 this year. They've, they've done very well moving their draft hand around. So they've Because this draft is meant to be very, very strong. Apparently, like the top 40 kids are all, there's not a lot separating them. So, this could be a masterstroke. Yeah, I would say there's a couple of their absolute legends who won't play in their next premiership, right? Like, mm. yeah, so you imagine Jack. that Trent, you imagine that Jack and Trent Cotchin and those sort of guys, they're now sort of thinking, okay, maybe you guys aren't mm. in the next premiership. But they might be thinking the Dusty still is. You know, oh, that, yeah. they can re, that they can rebuild enough that, like, while they've still got Dusty, they could have, like, another crack at, like, being a, a top four team or a premiership team. I'm fascinated to think about what Dusty, because famously, you know, he's a very durable player, has not really missed any games at all. Then he has such a significant injury where, you know, he's just forced to spend a lot of time at home recovering. And it's like, to me, Dusty strikes me as a guy who, you know, he just lives to play football. You know, he's an athlete, professional athlete. But like, what's he doing in his spare time? Like getting around his $1.5 million apartment in, in Port Melbourne that he just bought. Like, what does he do? Firstly, I don't think he's living in his $1.5 million apartment. I think that might be an investment property. Oh, really? <laughs> I think he's got, a four, he's got a $14 million investment portfolio. What? Mm. Does he really? Yeah. Holy shit. Where's he living? Actually, maybe I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I bet, he, I bet he's not living in a place that goes for 1.5. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Yeah, I, I but think what do you he's think doing he's doing? Fine. What do you think he's doing in his days? What does Dusty Martin do? I don't know. I yeah, don't actually really have a set. Well, of course, because there's been this talk around because Cochin, like you know, he's probably not going. Is, isn't going to be the captain? Isn't at, definitely not. Is, yeah. yeah, he's not going to be the captain at Richmond next year. So there has been some people floating the idea of Dusty being the captain, but 
the major problem with that is that he does not like to talk to the media, which is one of the jobs you're meant to do when you're the captain. Could you see, if they decided he's our natural leader, we want him to be the captain, could there be an AFL captain who doesn't talk to the media? Would we be fine with that if Jack, you know, so so Jack, Jack is their media captain, right? He goes on AFL 360, he does all the interviews and stuff, and Dusty is just their, like, game day captain and doesn't really talk to the media and stuff. Do you think that would be acceptable in the AFL? Um, I think there are already some captains who aren't great speakers who don't like Chuck Steele for the Saints is not a particularly good media performer. But if you're saying literally will not do the captain's run, will not do any press, I think I think it's actually a great way for Dimmer to build some mystique around this next generation of Tigers. In the same way that Bevo's, you know, backing in his players and saying, Hey, you know, it's us against the world is like, yeah, man. Let them, let them, let them give us a good caning as much as they want. We do things our way in the tiger bubble. Yeah, I, I, I'm not worried about Richmond. Like, there's still part of me that thinks that Richmond could win this year's flag. I don't know how they do it, but <laughs> you know, they're just. I, I can't give up on Richmond yet, I, and I don't think that they were. They just ran out of puff. They've played a lot of long seasons, really deep into every season. They came off that ridiculously difficult season last year and they had a bit of bad luck this year. I, I think they probably there's a real chance they could still make the eight next year. I don't think they're gonna be a top four. I don't think they'll be a top four side, but I think they could definitely make the eight. I mean, people forget at the halfway point of the year when they beat the demons and they beat you, they and they looked like terrifying again. Everyone was like, Oh fuck, you know, here yeah. they come again. But then, like you said, they ran out of puff. Okay, so is this a Gerald Wait and see or give them a good Yeah, game? Gerald Wait and see. Definitely a Gerald wait and see. Um, yeah. All right, moving on to Fremantle. Finished uh, on 10 wins. Uh, percentage of 86.5. 1-2, three of their last five games. Hard to know with Frio, isn't it? Because I, they were my... If you believed in Port Melbourne, I believed in Frio. I think maybe I just wanted to believe in Frio rather than actually having any hard data to back it up. But... They were disappointing. They just, they, Fremantle were like flaky Fremantle of old where they just couldn't win the games that they needed to win, including against us. They had a chance to lock up a finals spot in the last round. All they had to do was beat us in Tassie and they just didn't turn up. Um, how did you read the Dockers this year? Um, well, firstly, I'm going to say in Bob we trust. They've got Bob Murphy now. Yeah, I feel like well, that's... they got all the, all the Bulldogs. But I think that that is great for their culture. Like the one thing that we know about Bob Murphy is that like if Frio want to be a club that tells themselves a story, creates a culture, like, you know, so that I think is very optimistic and it feels like what they need. To me, it feels like that's a club that has so much talent but hasn't quite got an identity yet. And that was like this year, you just couldn't trust them because you didn't know exactly what their brand was. But there's plenty to like about them. Like I think... Mm. You know, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm certainly, I, I think you'd be optimistic as a Freo fan that they could compete for the finals next year. What do you think? I don't know if it's optimistic. I think that they, I think like the Saints, they had an out-of-the-box year last year and then they went back to the pack and there were some injuries. Like, the, the thing that worries me about them is 
Nat Fife. They're so reliant on him, and then when and he and his his shoulders are no good, and it's like a bit like Chris Judd. He either has to change the way he plays the game, or they've got to find a new position for him, or whatever. But I think that I, I like Justin Langmuir as a coach. There's no reason they couldn't have what the Eagles have done for the last few years and just establish that home ground fortress. I don't know why the Eagles can do it, but Freo haven't been able to do that. But, you know, if they can establish that, that's 11 wins for the year. Then they only have to win four on the road or whatever it is. So, no, I'm bullish. I'm bullish about Fremantle. I think it's more just I want them. I like Fremantle. I like their culture. I like their history. I like their supporters. I want them to do well. It's probably I'm not probably being very sensible about it, but by the same token, if they just fell in a heap next year, I wouldn't be surprised. Either. So, <laughs> all right, is this a, is this a Gerald wait and see, or is it a give him a good caning? Uh, Gerald wait and see. Bob's your anchor. Ah, nice. <laughs> all right, moving on to the St Kilda Football Club. Uh, finished on ten wins, percentage of ninety one point five. And uh, two wins, three losses to finish the season. Very disappointing. Very disappointing year. Uh, after how we played last year and um, the form that we looked to be in in the preseason, and then it's just like every injury that we could have got, we got in the first six weeks. And I just feel like we never got momentum back. I also think we got found out that game style we played, which was you know pretty basic, just slingshot off half back. Just outrun your opponents, kick it to your talls, and have three or four crummers swarm around it. We just got found out really quickly. So next year, I'm 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 holding judgment. I, I know there's a lot of people who contacted the show over the years saying, "Is Charlie okay? <laughs> Are you okay?" <laughs> multiple times this year. Uh, I was just being dramatic. Next year will be that that'll be the one where you really need to watch. <laughs> That's where you really need to find out. Charlie's been in the, ga- the garage a pretty long time. Does someone just want to go just make sure the car's not running? Um, I mean, I do get, I, I, I've got to be honest and say like all the excitement around the Bulldogs and stuff and knowing how we started this show and the reasons we started the show and even the fucking theme song of this show talks about how our two teams have only ever won one flag and they're always terrible. And now it's not true. And part of me is like, when's it going to be my turn? Like, when am I going to enjoy something like this? And it feels like never. I mean, I I have seen this so often with the Saints where it's like, oh, you get this false dawn and then they fall away. I think the only difference is we have a player like Max King. And I think Max King is a franchise player. He's a dude you can build a team around. He's a one of a kind, you know. So as long as he stays Absolutely not. The one thing you cannot say about Max King is he's a one of a kind. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, how stupid of me. <laughs> There's one exactly like him up north. <laughs> um, so I would, I think I would, I would, I'd, I'd have to. For me, it would be a good caning. I think that the, the weight of expectation, and I know. Jared Waitley, when I watched the preseason 360 episodes, he was saying, you know, his big prediction for the year was like, look out for the Saints at Marvel Stadium. They're going to like burn up the track. As it turns out, we lost more games at Marvel Stadium than almost anywhere else in the country. We were terrible at Marvel. So, yeah, I think um, um, uh, from Saints to Sinners would be the headline for me. What about you? What's your take on Saints? Yeah, caning also. Uh, mine would be when will the saints come marching in 
today. I'm just chewing some ice. <laughs> I'm just eating my feelings. It's the, it's the only way that Charlie can decompress after talking about St Kilda. His therapist just told him, get a coffee glass full of ice and you crunch that ice so that you don't grind your own teeth. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, next on the list is the West Coast Eagles, who finished in ninth position. They finished on also on Ted wins with a slightly better percentage than the Saints, but they lost four of their last five games, uh, many home games as well. Humiliated quite a few times in the back half of the season. What's going on at Optus Stadium? Uh, the grand final and West Coast aren't playing in it, which... Adam Simpson, like, you could tell how disappointed he was. He said that his office, because his office is at Optus Stadium, oh, no. and he is looking out on Melbourne training on the ground, getting ready for, like, a home grand final in Perth. Wow. Like, you know, Perth is just, like, so excited about the fact that they have an AFL grand final, that it's going to be full of people. It's just been so... And just, I think, West Coast are going to be burning about the fact that they missed an opportunity to be playing a grand final in their home state, like in front of a home crowd. Like, they fucked it. Like, I think that they definitely should have made the finals. Like, basically, there was no way that they couldn't make the finals. And then they were like, there is a way. <laughs> this is the way that we're not going to make the finals. All right. So, I get the feeling this is going to be a, a, a caning. Mm. Where Eagles don't. Oh, yeah. Good. I like it. Um, West Coast Coolers. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> um, all right. You know what? We've done the bottom half of the ladder. Yes. Why don't we save the final right. eight or the final six, not, the, not including the grand finalists, until next week, and we'll get to some mail. So if you want to get in contact with us, we're on Twitter and on Instagram at Two Guys One Cup AFL. So every uh, Wednesday, I put out a message saying, "Hey, if you want us to talk about something, just leave it in the comments below." And people have, such as Tim, who writes, "As a long-suffering bottom boy Saints supporter, I've come to the conclusion that we want the D's to end their drought and pass the baton on to St Kilda Football Club. I think it's what we need to spur us on. As usual, it'll probably backfire, but I'm scraping the bottom." of the barrel here i'm the opposite tim i do not want the d's to end their drought i do not want to be the worst uh long-standing team in the competition you I have the would make me feel you, worse yeah so tim has the idea of well if 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 you know if the demons can make it out if the bulldogs can make it out if the swans can make it out we can make it out we mm. used to be like them they used to be like us and look at them now that could be us and you are a more Misery loves company guy. Yeah, You're like, exactly. I am living forever in this shit pile and I want to have Come some company here in the shit pile. Uh, the Mickey Slim says, Will, did you see Cody Waitman was repping the 2011 member hat when he stirred up the Port Adelaide cameraman from the corporate <laughs> box during the game? I did not see that, but uh, that is pretty great and it's amazing that he's going to get the opportunity to play in a grand final. The Tick. Finally gets the big tick to play. <laughs> uh, Mork wants to know, what are your Brownlow predictions top three? I'm going to, th I'm going to say um, Bontempelli, Wines, Petrarca, or Bontempelli, Wines, Steel. I'm going to say a three-way tie for the Brownlow, and it is going to be Jack Steele, Clayton Oliver, and Marcus Bontempelli. Three-way tie. Uh, Joe wants to know, how many edibles does Will have prepared for the next week? 
I didn't pace myself thinking there'd be a grand final. <laughs> so <laughs> at the moment, zero. I paced myself for the prelim. But look, this is where the two weeks comes in handy. Uh, Mitty wants to know who wins the Pantene Hair of the Year Award this year. Uh, Bailey Smith, I think. Bailey Smith. Absolutely. I mean, that hair. Just like, I mean, it's a magnificent head of hair. It's so long and so yeah. beautiful. He looks like so the bully from the second season of Stranger Things. Yeah. I mean, it's just so flowing. <laughs> uh, Daisy wants to know, how is Charlie feeling watching Will experience another grand final? Like I said, intense, furious, almost homicidal jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I will say... It's pretty great. Like, I mean, particularly in a season like this where it's so unexpected that... Um, I used to be able to lord that over you, though. I used to yeah. be able to, like, you know, you know, fall, you know, stretch my legs out and say, well, 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 you, you'll see when the Saints played in the grand final. But now I can't even fucking do that anymore. Not only have you seen them, you've won them. Right. And I get two weeks of it, regardless uh, of the result. I mean, it's a good year for it to happen. I'm really soaking up the two weeks. April uh, wants to know, in the same vein as Adam Trelaw last year, what are your predictions for the greatest off-season debacle? Jaden Stevenson crashes his bike for a second time, does his other hip. <laughs> That's my prediction. Headline, I've learned nothing, says Jaden. <laughs> uh, Conrith wants to know, Port have never tear us apart. What song should the Bulldogs and the Saints fans sing before games? Um, Saints would be Don't Go Breaking My Heart <laughs> <laughs> and and the Bulldogs would be Bevo's Bottom Boys <laughs> uh, Tim wants to know what will be on the Melbourne supporters grand final grazing board hopefully humble pie Will <laughs> <laughs> I do hope that they played their best game of the season in the prelim that is my great hope but uh, like that you know anyway Will, uh, Benjamin says, as a Giants fan, how can you convince me to cheer for the Bulldogs? Um, oh, I mean, I don't need to convince you to, but I actually think we trained at the GWS facilities earlier in the season. Remember They're right back at the now. start of the season? Yeah. yeah. You fought for a bit, that, now you're mates. <laughs> your coach is one of our most legendary players, like a, a legend of the Bulldogs yeah. club. Um, we wanted him to coach the team, uh, but uh, he chose you guys instead of us. Our captain Callum chose Ward. you guys, Callum Ward, instead of hardened. us. Callum, Callum Ward, who we loved, he was he was born in the darkness, molded by it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam wants to know. Uh, we're both. Uh, sorry, no, I was going to say yeah. we're both the Western Suburbs teams. Like they're the go. team of the Western Suburbs of Sydney. We're the team of the Western Suburbs of Melbourne. Sam wants to know, a D's fan or a Dogs fan, who's more likely to try and sneak into WA? Well, it depends. I think the, the Dogs fan would probably try and sneak in by, you know, uh, concealing himself in like some kind of, you know, uh, a semi-trailer truck, you know, going across the border, whereas a D's fan would somehow fly in on a private jet and have to like bypass all quarantine laws and, you know, do home quarantine in their winery estate. Yeah, I mean... The Bulldogs wouldn't smuggle themselves over in the truck. They'd be driving the truck. We're yeah. the working class club, right? <laughs> That's right. They're just going over there, working their jobs. I heard of, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this week I heard of 
for Demons fans to get around some law and to be able to get over there who chipped in to buy a house together. Oh so God. four of them bought this $450,000 house okay. so they could get around some inspecting real estate law and have an excuse to be there. If that is true, that is the most Melbourne fucking thing I've ever heard of. Uh, Kate says, is Bevo's Bottom Boys just a gritty reboot of Backs Against the Wall? Mm, no, I think it's got more nuance to it. Backs Against the Wall is just is just simply about facing opposition where I think Bevo's Bottom Boys is more about we, uh, I guess there are similarities, but I, I don't know. I just feel like Bevo's Bottom Boys is more nuanced because nuanced, it's more about, hey, we 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 don't give us any, we're not looking for any handouts. You know, we just, we do it our way. You don't want to give us a training facility, fine. You don't want to, you know, uh, we want to test us 20 times a day, fine. We'll do it our way. Yeah, exactly. Our way or the highway, to quote like, the greatest poet of all time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to listen to our other podcast, Topol. It'll make a lot more sense. Um, I don't even have a Datto Datto Mob says is Bevo getting the boys on the piss post game uh, is it more of a psyops against the up uptight Protestant Melbourne crew oh you think he's playing mind games yeah this is classic bottom 100%. boy behaviour give everyone a beer get them in a room whack on some gala rave music get everyone <laughs> to sing along that's what the bottom boys do it that's how the bottom boys do it we're not your fancy Melbourne Demons, where you bloody bottom boy. I mean, Dave Thornton uh, you know, tweeted it very well, I thought, which he said it is very much the uh, tenants against the landlords. Yeah. And I think this is going to be the approach of the finals. Uh, Dom wants to know, what do you think Chris Fagan's response to Carlton sounding him out about the top job would have been? Yeah, oh, geez, you put me in a bit of a pickle, Paco. Oh, no, geez. Oh, I've signed a three-year extension for loans. Oh, come on, Fags, you need this job. Oh, but I can't let the boys down. <laughs> and then his pants would have fallen down. He would have tripped down the stairs and not be able to sign the contract because his arm's in traction. Um, okay, Justin wants to know, is there some way we can parachute Nathan Jones to the grand final, maybe in an actual parachute? He's made his choice. Go ahead yeah. and be with your kids like a <laughs> bloody your like a dependable father figure. <laughs> exactly. Support your wife and your children. See the birth of your twins. I mean, Caroline Wilson was fuming <laughs> when she heard. You know what I will say well, while we're talking about Nathan Jones is that yeah. what a sad story. What a great servant of that club he has been. Like an absolute champion through their absolute darkest times he was their best player for so long in that era and just a really good servant of the game like always represents himself incredibly well and it's very sad that he's not going to get the opportunity to play in the grand final i think he's the bob murphy story of yeah. 2021 hopefully not though well hopefully not for your sake well you know uh, what rob, I, rob. I would like to see bevo do that if we win i'd like him to say just one more thing I'd like to get Nathan Jones up here. <laughs> Gives him a medal. Rob wants to know, are the doggies the bad guys of this grand final and why do I give zero fucks if that's the case? I don't know that it's as clear cut as that. I don't know that no. there are clear villains and heroes. I think it's a bit of column A, column B. Like a good drama, it's sort of, it's complicated. The shades of grey. Yeah, you can make a, a case for the Bulldogs being the villains because... 
you know, Melbourne have a bit of history and all these sort of things online. You know, Neil Danaher, I can, yeah, there's a very sympathy. I have a lot of sympathy. I'd love Neil Danaher to see Melbourne win a premiership. I'd love Ron Brassy to see Melbourne win a premiership. Like, I get all that. But also, they, they, they tanked not that long ago, guys. They're not the, like, the, you know, most clean of all fairy stories going around Melbourne. Like, I, I, you know, I think they deserve what they've got now, but the club itself has some murky past. Um, and one final question also about the port's use of Never Tear Us Apart. Uh, do you like it or do you think it's a bit contrived? Oh, I haven't actually paid that much attention to it, to be honest. It's more of a kind of, isn't it more of like an EPL, like Premier League kind of thing to have like a, a song that everyone sings before the game? Personally, I like it. A little bit of showbiz, right. a little bit of fun. Razzle like, dazzle. But also what I love is, when we then immediately tore them apart. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you and fuck you, dumb song. Oh, man, I've got, to, I've got to admit, I was texting you uh, over the weekend after the win because I couldn't help myself but just check out what the Port fans were discussing. Oh, yeah. And my God, it was Lord of the Flies. <laughs> they turned on each other so quick. And if you go to the, the Big Footy game day thread and you – click onto the thread around about like the first bounce you just watch that board deteriorate and they're sucking this guy sucking that apparently Rosie's no good Butters is no good Durzen's no good Ken Hinckley's not an actual port person Koshy's just a TV guy who came in and he doesn't have the I mean the other thing I'll say about port fans is the ones who have that strong strong connection to the Sandfall port history man they are they are they are like hard line tea party kind of <laughs> supporters like there's a purity test and i mean you do not if you're not from south australia you do not pass it <laughs> yeah i think there would have been like i mean there was some melting down around the geelong stuff but but the port thing like their fans have not taken it well there has been a lot of calls to sack oh. everybody they were humiliated, humiliated. Anyway, there's always next season port. Chin up. <laughs> I still believe in your port Adelaide. You would like, you made the top four. It's still a pretty good season. Uh, okay, that's two guys, one cup for uh, for this week. Don't forget, we are doing our big post-grand final oh, Zoom yes. live show with Michael and Adam from the Junk Time Pod. We've got a couple of guests uh, we can announce. Yes, yeah, so Broden Kelly from Auntie Donna, who is a, a mad Melbourne fan. And uh, so... It'll be fun to have him on. And Chaz Lichardello from The Chaser, of course, who is a Bulldogs fan. And also um, there are some other people. Yeah, yes. we can't announce that. We're going to, we're trying to get no. one more person involved as well. So there's a balance of Bulldogs and Demons. So that's not a, a, a ganging up if, if, for the for the team that doesn't win the grand final. But it's always a lot of fun. Uh, Chambo reckons we've sold out 50% of the, of the tickets so far. So if you're on the fence, you probably want to get moving on that because I don't know how many are left. I'll put a link in the episode description below. You can also go to Toto com to check out some of our other great podcasts. Will does one called Philosophy. Who's on this week? Uh, this week on Philosophy, uh, Bridie Jabour, who is a, um, a really good writer, um, uh, writes for the Guardian. She's uh, one of the editors over there, but she's written a book and uh, she's super funny as well. So I highly recommend checking that out. And on Fofop this week, Justin Hamilton. It's a Hamofop. Always fun when Hamo is on the podcast. And on Tofop this week, we talk about the Matrix a lot. We. We do, and other stuff as well. We get into some very strange letters. People have been dreaming about us, Will. It's <laughs> a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but one week to go. Very exciting. Uh, soak it up, Will. Try and read everything you can. Go to the go to those 
dark places of the internet to just snack on some small morsels of, of football news about the Bulldogs. I mean, it is actually one of the most fun things about it. You forget that, like, you know, you do learn a lot about players and their backgrounds and their stories. You know, that is what becomes the football media a lot. So I have absolutely enjoyed sitting down and reading these feature pieces about these characters that I actually wasn't that familiar with. So, no, it's been fun. I, I'm enjoying it very much. And we'll be back next week with our grand final preview. Oh, what are we going to do? Are we going to do an Instagram live tomorrow? I mean, no, tonight? let's not do one tomorrow. Let's give right. ourselves a week off. Let's freshen yeah. up. Yeah, for we grand need final freshen week. up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Play on, not 15. Ball. We are two